0: How about that? Have you thought about that? Not just daylight, but, but also to warmer weather. And i uh, also like to welcome everybody who's online watching us. If you're the, in the area, we'd love to have you here. Uh, we are in person and glad to see you. But for those who are watching or watching later, we're very glad to see you. Can you guys give them a hand clap to let them know how much we appreciate them? That is a viable ministry, and we appreciate all those who come online to study the word with us. Uh, from different various places, but there's no place like being in the house of God with the fellowship of the saints. Uh, so we'd love to see you if um, if you're in the in the area. Make sure to stop by, um, guys. We have finished some good things. We have done some really really good Bible study. Um, it's amazing what you can find out about the Bible. It's amazing how you can live all your life and think you know the Bible pretty well and read it again. And see all sorts of things that you have not seen and learn all sorts of things that you do not know. And uh, that's amazing how God's word is alive and active. And last week we finished with the flood uh, and with God giving his, um, his covenant to Noah. And also we talked about the fact that Noah had three sons and one of them was very dishonorable to him. And because of that, one of his sons was cursed. Not all of his sons were cursed. And we even talked about this, uh, about people talking about the curse of Ham and using um, that Hamitic curse uh, to which was actually a curse for Canaan, one of the sons of Ham as excuse, uh, for slavery and all sorts of other things. And that's a, that's a big common theme. And we're going to look, uh, into what we call the table of nations. Everybody say table of nations. Until this point we've seen Adam and we've seen Eve and we've seen some of their offspring and we've seen the world wiped out. Can you imagine having someplace as big as, as America? and all the hundreds of millions of people potentially wiped out within 40 days that's but that's what happened uh all the people on the earth and on the world uh were essentially wiped out and god has started over and we can see uh, that even though god started over he's given His promise uh that the hearts of men are wicked uh and and that we have to um god didn't eradicate sin from the world at this time he will he has a plan for it um but he's starting over guys you can come on up liz you get you got a seat here and uh you can come on up if you got they can scoot over and make some room these these are growing pains these are good things if you want to come up you're welcome to we'll make more room i like i like having to make room that means we're growing how about that So, um, we're looking in the book of Genesis, starting at chapter 10, and this is very important because as you go through the rest of the book of Genesis and you learn more things, you hear about all these ites, about the Malachites and, and these ites and these ites. Well, those people are going to start from basically three different people. Uh, Noah has, uh, three sons. Can anybody tell me who those three sons are before you look at your paper? That's it. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, I see several several people answering. That's good. That makes me really encouraged and really excited. And uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth are his sons, and they have been given a charge the same as um, Adam and Eve were, to be what? Fruitful and multiply and what? Fill the earth. So we're going to start at Genesis chapter 10. We're going to go down verse 1 through 5 through some of the table of nations we're going to start as the bible starts with japheth and look at japheth's line so uh let's take a look it says what this is the account of shem ham and japheth noah's sons who themselves had sons after the flood the sons of japheth gomer magog madai javan tubal Meshech, and teras the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riftaz, Tagamora, the sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Katim, and Rodonim, From these uh, Maritimes, people spread out in their territories by their clans with their nations, each with its own language. Now, I like uh, I like to congratulate you for continuing to read through those words and trying your best to pick those names out because a lot of people are just like and and blah 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 begat blah 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 but but there's very and we tend to do that we gloss over genealogy but genealogy believe it or not is important because it's history and this history you can look through all texts through Greek texts any text the historicity of the Bible is more accurate than anything in the world uh they have tried to disprove the bible and this truth prove the bible over and over again and believe it or not the more they dig and the more they find they find out that the bible is the most accurate historical document in the world it's not just the living breathing word of god but it's an actual historical document so we see uh where the world is coming from so when we look at japheth Japheth uh, has descendants, and they're going to be to the north and to the west of the area. From Japheth, there come a lot of people. Um, and, and so I'm going to give you some of Japheth's, and we've talked about that some a little bit, some of his lineage or those people that come from Japheth. We would know them as Greeks. Thracians and Scythians, basically European and Aryan people. If you're of European or Aryan descent, uh, you uh, you ultimately come from Noah, but you come from Japheth's line. That's where those people landed in those regions, and as they begin to have children, their tribes begin to grow, and they begin to populate. So, if you are a descendant of Japheth, uh, you come from that area. Now, we're going to look at Ham. Uh, we're going to see Ham because there's a lot of Good stuff and bad stuff that goes along with Ham's line, but that you're going to see them a lot in the uh, early parts of the Bible. Ham's people settle around Mesopotamia or the Fertile Crescent, or what we would call around the Tigris and the Euphrates. If you've ever taken a uh, social studies class, you hear the words Samaria or Sumer or Mesopotamia, uh, where they have cuneiform and all these things. Hammurabi's cold. That's where these things tend to come from, uh, in that area of the world. And we're going to go down through there. Um, let's read this real quick. Uh, starting at verse six, we'll go down and we'll stop. Uh, he goes all the way through 20. So I'm not going to go all the way through 20 just yet. Let's go down through verse 10. Okay. Let's start at verse six and go through 10. The sons of Ham, Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Saptah, Rama, Saptekah, the sons of Rama, Sheba, and Dadan. Cush was the father of Nimrod, who grew to be a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter uh, before the Lord. The first sinners of his kingdom were Babylon, Erech akad kalna shinar from that land uh we'll go on with the verse 11 and 12 from that land he went to assyria where he built nineveh you're starting to recognize some of these names aren't you rehoboth kala Rezin, which is between nineveh and kala that is a great city so from from the Aryan race there's really only one race of people but from the Aryan uh Aryan line that comes mostly from japheth Ham or the Hamitic people are what you would call black folks, uh, or brown skin folks. That's where those people come from. And so ham, uh, it has four sons, which are Cush, Mizraim, put, and Canaan. And you hear the word Cushite. Does anybody remember where Cush is? Haley, where's Cush? It's in Africa. What part of Africa? around Egypt. Very good. Has anybody heard of a place called Ethiopia? Yes. Yes. That's Kush. That that that's where uh Kush is. Kush is. Uh, Mizraim, uh, Mizraim his people settle and they are from Egypt. So that's what those were those people come from. Um, we heard lately I think it's Muammar Gaddafi from Libya. Libya is a part of Africa. Put is is uh, the father of libya where those people descend from so that Af- african region and we everybody knows if you ever heard canaanites in the bible um you've heard of the canaanites those are people of brown hue uh brown skin the canaanites most people do not know this but even moses's wife was was a black lady uh and he caught some flack for it so at, a lot of times throughout history things have been erased but it's important to see that people got along um that these things worked and and because of sin and other things things have been divided but praise god we see some of every every race in here and every everything in here and that's or every i would say nationality because there's only one race and that's how it should be um <laughs> uh, and, and it wasn't this isn't something new that's what i want you to see it was like that from the web beginning but many times we, we pick and choose parts of the Bible. So you don't know. Uh, and from Cush, from the Hamitic line or the black line in Ethiopia comes what we would call the first king, uh, which is Nimrod. Nimrod is uh, a Hamitic king, but Nimrod is not a very good person either. Nimrod goes away from God. Uh, from Nimrod, you see Assyria and Babylon. How many of you ever heard of Babylon. Uh, Babylon right now, modern day Iraq, you still see things that Nebuchadnezzar built in Babylon. Uh, And and things like that. As a matter of fact, Lath is from Iraq. He is from that Babylonian area around Ur of the Chaldees from where uh, Abraham is from, if we get to that tonight. Um, So those are some little small history facts and things like that, that you'll know when you start to read the Bible. You can read the Bible because just to be honest, our our visual representations of how we enact the Bible many times from how we saw things and the actors that were on our biblical uh on our in our biblical movies was just not historically accurate. Uh people tend to tend to be from one race or another, but there are many people in those areas. And so it, to get a clear picture, we can see from the Bible what it really looks like. Amazing, isn't it? Something to think about. They continue to move east and we're going to go down to look also and uh down through another line we're going to look we looked at Jaffa and we have looked at ham and we're going to look at shem shem uh is who the line that jesus will come through shem's line is where we see the jews and the jewish people uh, from shem's line come the hebrews the chaldeans Lath right there uh, assyrians the persians people of that 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 nation that nation that's where they're from as a matter of fact in jesus's region they spoke jews spoke a lot of greek but they also spoke aramaic and Hebrew Aramaic was a traveler's language, and if you talk to Lath, they still speak it. Lath is fluent in English, Aramaic, and in uh, Arabic. So he speaks different three different languages. I'm 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 still working on the first one, but uh, <laughs> but that's amazing that we see these things unfolding right before our eyes in the table of nations. We can see these things. It's important for us not to gloss over them because. As you see these names, you will notice that the names of these people become names of what? Nations, which means that when you come back and you start to read down through the Old Testament, you'll realize that there is some history from certain people. As as we see conflict between Jews and Arabs from this point, uh, even to our world today, that comes from a conflict straight from Abraham. Abraham had two sons. He had Isaac and he had Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael. Is the father of the Arab nation? They come from that line of Shem, and, and Isaac, of course, uh, was was in the line for the Jewish nation, and there's still conflict from that till this day, right? It's important to know that if you study history, uh, the Bible bears out history as well as we can understand better why some things work the way they do in the world. Amazing, isn't it? So we're gonna go down. We're gonna look at some of the Semites. Um down in verse 21. So let's read verse 21, and then we'll we'll be through with some of the names that nobody can pronounce. How about that? <laughs> let's go. Sons were also born to Shem, whose older brother was japheth Shem was the ancestor of all the sons of Eber, the sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, side Lud, and Aram, the sons of Aram, Uz. Gether, Meshech, Arphaxai, with the father of Shelah, and Shelah, the father of Eber. Two sons were born to Eber. One was named Peleg because in his time the earth was divided. His brother was named Jokhtan. Uh, now, I don't want to skip over this because this is actually a very controversial verse. Uh, and the reason it is, is the translation of Peleg that he lived during the time when the earth split some people believe that this is giving the note of the time when we had a supercontinent called pangea and that when you had pangea you can notice if you look at at a map that the top of north of south america looks just like the bottom of what africa that they fit and that at some point in time they fit together and at some point in time they split apart now different theologians differ on this some of them actually believe that this uh based off of how the Hebrew language is written means that this is the time when everybody split to different places and that Pleg actually means water and it's talking about water sources but that's an interesting point the topic to think about right either way it goes there's history there and, and no matter where you go to any any religion or to Gilgamesh, the Chronicles of Gilgamesh or wherever, you see that the flood is a historical thing because every culture has a recollection of the what? Flood. And after this, we see the history that flows from there. So we see these regions that are there, but we see something uh, that's very important that we're going to get to uh, in just a second. And I want you guys to be able to look at that. I just thought that was really cool. So I wanted to stop by Peleg and we'll go. Uh, well let's go to 26 through 32 so you can say at least once in your lifetime you read these genealogies ready let's read Joktan was the father of uh, Amalad, Shilaf, Hazamarveth, Jerah, Havaram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimal, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, And Jabab, all these were sons of Joktan. These regions where they lived stretched from Mesha towards Safar in the eastern hero country. Now, stop for a second. I want you to think about something when they say the eastern hero country. God made a garden, and he put it where? He put it east in Eden. And when man disobeyed, he put them out of the garden to the what? East. And they were still in Eden. But they were at the gate where the cherubim was, and they couldn't get back in the garden. There was a garden in Eden, but Eden was a geographical location. So they moved from the presence of what? God. Then all of a sudden, Cain gets banished. And where does he get sent? East. <laughs> further and further away from the presence of what? God. And after the flood, we see again that these people are headed which way? Some of them? East. So it's a a good picture of no matter how much we try to be good without Jesus, uh, without submitting to God, when man tries to be good on his own, we don't get closer to God. We get what? Further away. Isn't that amazing? So the further away you get from God, the weirder things become, the weirder behavior becomes. Um, I'm pretty sure you could think of some things in our culture today that are that are not status quo that seem to be kind of weird um i'm gonna let you think of those things i'm pretty sure if i had you raise your hand you could you could find quite a few um that that go beyond the norm verse 32 says these are the clans of noah's sons according to their lines of descent within their nations from the nations spread out over the earth after the flood now let's get to some of the good stuff something that everybody likes and everybody knows we're going to talk about a tower the first tower that is built it is a religious center uh many uh, theologians believe is what we call a ziggurat uh it is called the tower can anybody guess Babel. now the first thing God tells them when they get off of there, off of the boat, is to be fruitful. What, multiply and what, fill the earth. He says, "I want you to spread what, out. I want you to spread out and populate the earth." So let's see how obedient these people are. Um, Genesis chapter eleven, verse one. Let's read it. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, oh wow, they're still headed where? Away from God, (laughs) eastward. They found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. So we see masonry starting to happen. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that we may make a name for who ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth now we see some hints of this in Cain but this is the first time we see it just written out widespread remember we talked a while back uh, about secular humanism remember all those Definitions I gave everybody, and you're like, why are we learning all these definitions? Secular humanism is the thought that we take God off of the throne and we put man on the throne. So everything we do in secular humanism will be narcissistic and self-centered. Everything's about the glory of man. Uh, As people looking for their platforms, I, I bring it home and looking for thousands of likes or thousands of followers or doing anything for attention or clickbait, people always worrying about themselves, even to the point, sometimes that preachers have to uh, they don't have to but some preachers they decide to start preaching straight to tell people that you're the best thing since sliced bread knowing that we're living in sinful flesh but they don't want to tell people that because if people hear that that's something they don't want to what hear, and they might not show up to what church so they begin to tell them what they want to hear does that sound familiar in the last days men will heap unto themselves teachers that will tell them what their itching ears want to what hear so we see the tendency of man is to love him what self he they don't say let us build a tower to god uh they say let us build a tower to the heavens so that what tell me what they said somebody tell me So that we may make a name for who? Ourselves. Wow. They're trying to make something for themselves. The Bible says, except the Lord build the what? House. They labor in vain that build it. How many people have tried to build stuff and they didn't build it for the purpose or plan of God. They built it for themselves and their own glorification. How many times have we asked our children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And never asked them, what do you think God would have you do when you grow up? We make everything about them and not about their service to the what? Lord, God may want you to be a doctor. God may want you to be a lawyer, but is that what he's calling you to, to serve the world, the humanity in the greater, greater sense and to serve his church at large is, is that what he's calling you to? But most times we end up in a predicament because we make our decisions based off of what, who wants, we want, we don't consult God. Many people have headaches. We talked about that Sunday, didn't we? Because you saw a spouse that was pleasing to the eye. And you didn't consult God. You said, that's what I want. That's something that can make me better. He has money, so that can improve my platform. She's pretty on my arm, so that'll make me look what? Better. You never asked yourself, God, what is your purpose for my life? Hook me up and connect me with a person whose purpose will fit the one that you've given me. You see this in our humankind today. Has anybody ever seen seen this or have you ever been a victim of this? How easy is it for us, even when we come to church, the problem we have with a lot of modern day churches, and I'm not fussing, I'm just being honest, is that people are selfish and they come to exalt themselves. They don't come to serve. They come to be served. So they only show up to church if you have all the ministries that what? I like. If you have a children's ministry and I have kids, I'm coming because I'm getting something out of it. Nothing wrong with kids ministry. We got kids downstairs right now doing ministry. But many people, they don't ask God, where would you have me to be? Where would you have me to serve? They go to places so they can see what they can get what out of it. Have we ever been guilty of that? We serve God for what we can get out of it so we see secular humanism right here and these people have said we have built a tower to ourselves and i wrote this down in my notes it says deep truth when we take the focus off god and his commands because he told them to go and fill the earth but they're not trying to fill the earth they're not trying to build a platform for god they're trying to build a platform for them what selves. and i put this when we take the focus off of god and uh his commands To to put it on ourselves, which is secular humanism, God knows how to disrupt us and get us back on the track he wants us on. Could it be? I'm not saying it is, but could it be that we who were a nation that said in God we what? Trust. One nation under what? God started doing everything and promoting everything God doesn't like and God didn't want promoted. Even in our churches, we're fighting over the ability to do things that God doesn't approve of. And at that same time, might it be that God will allow some things to get our attention? That we have created little centers of power for ourselves? We have created little centers of influence for ourselves, and we're worried more about our platforms than the gospel. And God says, maybe I'll just put them, allow them to be in a situation where I'll see who's really serious about me. 30%. Anybody know what that number is? That's three out of ten. That's how many people that have come back to churches across America. Churches have lost over... in in large part, over 60% of their congregations. During this pandemic, many churches, I heard some statistics uh, that 15% of churches are either dead or on death door. 40% of churches are running 30% less and barely hanging on and probably won't make it. 40% are surviving. But God's church is going to always go forward. God's church is not going to go anywhere. But could it be just a thought? Have you ever thought about this? Have we ever, have you remember uh, when somebody, I forgot who wrote the song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it (laughs) because it's all about you, Lord. Could it be that some, in some ways, as a culture, Western and Westernizing Christianity, we have made Christianity kind of commercial. And we've created a nation of consumers that only want to serve if you play the songs I like and you preach the sermons the way I like it and you dress the way I dress to make me feel comfortable. Could that be possible? Have we ever been guilty of that? Because we take the focus off of God's commands and put the focus on what? Ourself. When you come into anybody of believers, your number one focus is God, you put me in the earth for a purpose. So what should, what do you have me here for? I'm here to serve. Your leader shouldn't have to go seek you out. You should be eager wanting to say, God made me for a purpose. Where can I help? Because it's not about me. The Bible says that Whoever is going to be great among you must first become a what? servant. So let's see what God does because there's some other lessons in here uh about how this works. Let's go to chapter uh 11 verse 6. They have decided to make this tower. They're not going to do what God told them to do. They're going to make sure that they do what they want to do cuz they're in charge of their own life and nobody can tell them what to do so let's see what verse six says let's read it the lord said if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other now let's stop right there god's not scared of them God's not saying they're gonna overtake me if they're unified. What God is saying is they have done something wicked and they're disobeying my commands. And anywhere you go, if you're unified, it's going to succeed. You can be unified for a bad result and it will succeed. Or you can be unified for a good result, it'll succeed. And he said they're disobeying my commands. And if I allow them to be unified, whatever they do is going to succeed so god in his mercy he's not, he can't send a flood he promised he can he can't kill them yet so i got i'm going to make sure that i disperse them that's important for the church to know why because why does the world succeed Is so much stuff because the world's on the same page and the church is what not we're not unified The church is not unified. It's important as a church that we all be on the same page with the same what? Agenda. That's why you hear me say all the time here, our goal is number one to what? Reach the lost. What's the number two? To teach the found. And number three, to change the world. You should be asking yourself, how do I fit in that? And what's my part to reach the lost? What is my evangelistic arm to help this church grow, to help the kingdom of God grow? Number two, how? what is my goal to help teach those who are new believers? If I don't know enough to teach new believers, maybe I should show up to Bible study so I can learn more stuff. And then maybe I'll start a small group and teach new believers. And what can I do to be salt and light in the world, to change the world? We're all unified and on one purpose. And when everybody's unified and on one purpose, things start to happen god knows the uh, the power of unity the problem is so does satan when they accuse jesus uh, of being there uh of doing things and healing in the name of satan he says satan's not divided satan's on point a house divided against itself cannot what stand satan is very organized Satan has very uh, many agendas. Turn on the TV for 20 seconds. You can see his agendas. Turn on TikTok for more than 20 seconds. You can see his agendas. You can hear it in his music. You can see it in his media. You can see it in all those things. So it's time for us as Christians to become unified. Satan's people are faithful. You don't have to go looking for them. They, they, they send in rain, snow, sleet, or shine. So it's time for God's people to be what? faithful on our job why because those people aren't our enemies they are our mission (laughs) they are who we're going to bring to Christ that's who we're going to give the gospel to is this helping anybody tonight it may be a little convicting y'all y'all quiet but it's not just stepping on your toes I got toes too so at the same time it's important for us to know that this is this is helping all of us so let's see what the Lord does verse 8 let's read it So the Lord scattered them over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel. Babel uh, is in the Hebrew. The word sounds just like the word for confusion. So that's why it's called Babel or confusion because the what the Lord confused the languages of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the whole earth. God's going to get his will and his purpose done when he he gives a command, he wants it done and he's sovereign. And if you don't do it, he might not, he might not make you do it, but he's going to put, he can, he can make you an offer. You won't refuse. He'll make the situation uh, to where you don't have a a good choice. Okay, Jonah, don't go where I tell you to go. I tell you what, I got this fish for you. Let's see how you like this fish at the bottom of the ocean. Now that you're at the bottom of the ocean and the fish Jonah, How about what I asked you to do? Would you mind going to Nineveh? I think I'll try to go to Nineveh. How many of us, God, have told us something and we ran from God and found ourselves up against the wall in a bad position. And when we reached out to God and we said, God, why am I doing this? We heard that still small voice say, but what did I ask of you? Are you ready to do what I asked you to do? Are you ready to submit to me? It used to be that that it, it, I'll come to church, God. I'll come to church. But what happened when we couldn't and the doors were closed and people told you you couldn't come? Changed your perspective, didn't it? That some things we took for what? Granted. And now you, a lot of people, when the doors of the church open, you can't beat them in here. You know why? Because they realize what could be taken from them they they enjoy the fellowship of the saints you don't have to beat them up and drag them to church or make them make them come to church or, or have a 30-minute a conversation about why you should be careful care about your spiritual growth these are important lessons here god confused those languages uh to slow their ability for their disobedience so i want you to ask yourself a question name a time when god allowed your plans to be derailed but it was ultimately for your good Anybody ever been in that place where God told you to do something, but you decided to do something else? And what you wanted to do kind of got wrecked. And you ended up doing what God wanted you to do anyway. I often look at my children and when I look at my children, when I listen to some of the stuff, I say to them, I think about my relationship with God and I shake my head and say, I'm such a bad child. This is a conversation that I have with my kids all the time. I'll ask them to do something, and they'll say, no, I'm not going to do it. Or they won't say that. They're too scared to say that. But they won't do it, or they'll try to bow up. But I'll say, well, we have two options. You can either do what I say, like I told you to do it, or you can face the consequences, and when you finish sniveling, you can do it anyway, So you can either suffer the consequences for not doing what you were told to do and still end up doing it, or you could just skip the consequences and go ahead and do what you were what? Asked to do. Now we live in an era of grace and God is so gracious and he's so loving and thank God he's not opening up the ground and swallowing 3000 of us as, as a, at a time and, and things like that today. But there are some situations where we made our bed hard, haven't we? Have you ever had to lay on a hard bed? Because God gave you gave you a command and you ignored his command? And he said, Okay. Let's see you, see you work with this. And he thwarted our plans and we were mad because he thwarted our plans because we really wanted to do that. I really wanted to live in this state. Or I really wanted to have this job. I really wanted to marry that person. I really wanted to do this. I really wanted to have this business. I really wanted to do that. And God was telling us, my purpose for you is this. And we keep ignoring God's purpose. And all of a sudden we can't figure out why things keep uh, falling apart. You cannot run from God. God's arms are long enough that they will reach you wherever you go. You can spend your whole life trying to run from God. But guess what? After It's amazing. He made the earth in a circle. He ain't even got to move. He can be in the, He's omnipotent, but he can literally be in the same spot. And you can run all the way around the world. And when you finish running, you're going to come right back to. Hmm. There is no hiding place. That God is going to get his will established. I told you to go be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Nobody told you to build a ziggurat. Nobody told you to build a temple that goes up to heaven to make yourself great. I saved you, so and I saved Noah to get, get the gospel out and for the line of my son to come down so he can redeem mankind. And in order for that to happen in history to go like I needed to go or I wanted to go, and it's going to go, you need to be spread out. So since you won't do it, I'll give you a little help. How many of us have been hoped out? You know, in the South, sometimes they say, we won't help you out. God will hope you out. <laughs> you hope you out sometimes i've learned over the course of my life through many hard knocks to try to make sure that i less and less have to learn the hard way hard or soft you'll learn <laughs> so god puts them out and and they go from that place and they're dispersed so let's go right here and we also look at the importance uh, of 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 Communication, because once they cannot communicate, they can't get anything what done. So in order for something to run, you have to have proper what communication. In order to have an organization run properly, you got to have proper what communication, write the what vision, make it plain. So they that read it can what? Run with it. That's why I keep saying like a broken record. We're here to reach the what? Lost. Teach the what? Found. Change the world. I keep saying that until people start showing up every Sunday with people. What are you doing? I figured it out, Pastor. I'm reaching the lost. These people are lost. They don't know Jesus. So I'm supposed to come to church with people that don't know Jesus. I'm supposed to go find people that don't know Jesus. That's what you've been telling me all the time. Yeah, it is. What are you doing with those Bibles? I'm coming to Bible study so I can learn because now these people know Jesus and you won't be able to teach them all. They're going to need some small group study leaders. So I got to be trained so I can teach the found. What are you doing with those blankets? Well, pastor, I finally figured it out. Uh, what are you doing with that, that offering? I finally figured it out that if I tithe and if I give offering, the church can function better and the church will have more money for more blankets and more food for more homeless people and other things for the church to function. And ultimately, if I so into the church for God's purpose and do my part it'll help to change the what world one life at a time but we have to have singular communication that's why you have so much trouble in marriages because men and women communicate completely different men are direct and to the point Women have circular logic. They talk around things. That's how their mind works. And that's a beautiful thing. But for men, it drives them crazy. And they say, just get to the what? Point. Now she's she's offended because she wants to tell you how she feels. And, and so when you walk in the door and you say, how was your day? He says, fine. And he expects that to be the end of the what? Conversation. Now I'm going to go watch some TV. Now she's upset. Why didn't he want to talk to me? Because he doesn't communicate like you communicate. Then she comes in and you say, Hey, how was your day? And what do you really want her to say? Fellas? Fine and you wanna go about your business. And she starts talking about what happened to her at the water cooler, what all these other people are doing and how she felt about it. And her boss said this to her and it made her really feel sad. And she's so tired of these people and they're getting on her nerves. And, and she she needs some prayer. She needs to call her prayer partners because some of them are really making her think about losing her religion. And she's just tired and mentally drained. And I'm so tired of going to this job every day. And if I, I think about all these things. Oh, by the way, I was so frustrated by that, that I forgot to stop and pick up some food so now i gotta go back and pick up this food and and i'm gonna miss the sale because after all you know this was on the sale and he's thinking if i knew you were gonna say all that i wouldn't have said a what? word stop smiling lamar he put his mask up <laughs> <laughs> But if we're going to be successful, we have to learn how each other communicates. And the guy has to sit back and say, that's how she communicates. So I need to learn to speak another language or at least to be able to interpret it. And I need to learn to sit and what? Listen. Listen. For the same thing for the lady, she needs to say, he's coming in. He's got that furrowed look on his brow. Maybe I should let him go take a shower first before I unload everything off on him. Because he doesn't look like he wants to say much right what? Now. And when we learn to communicate with people, one of the best bomb diffusers is the word, is this sentence. What do you mean by that? Or so what you're saying is this. Because what we do is, it'd be the equivalent of late speaking in Aramaic and me going doing something without figuring out what he said. Because most times since men and women speak different languages, when you ask your husband a question, he answers it. But what he answers is not really what you hear. He said one thing, you interpret it as another. Now you're mad. But what would have helped is, so what you're saying is this. And you know what he'll say nine times in. No, I'm not saying that at all, <laughs> or if your wife tells you, I need you to do this or that and and you just go do something and you fix the problem she don't want you to fix the problem she she wants you to listen, so now it will help you guys to say so what you're saying is this, and she'll say no, that's not what I'm saying at all <laughs> yeah yeah, see that's it. What do you mean by that? What's your intention you what the They are very simple questions, she's correct, that avoid a lot of conflict but most people don't know that and marriages don't flourish because there's no what? Communication. And we keep beating our head up against the wall because we seek to be understood and not to what? Understand, because we're just like the people at the Tower of Babel, we're not here to serve, we care about our what? Self. And I'm so into getting my point across and I'm so into being heard myself That I don't really care about what you really have to say. This is a prime example. If you ask somebody a question and before they get the answer out, you're already talking, that means you had no intent in listening to what they had to what say. Yeah, that's that's it. Why? Why? Are, why am I communication communicating? This is important. I didn't intend to go this way, but maybe we need to hear this. Communication is key and it's important. And if you don't learn how to properly communicate, it'll cause you problems with your relationships. It'll cause you problems on your job. It'll cause all sorts of things. God just stopped everything on a tower of Babel that he said these people are going to be able to accomplish what they set out to do. So I'm going to disrupt their communication. But here's the thing, that everything that God does, thank you, Holy Spirit, Satan counterfeits. So when Satan wants to break up marriages, where does he try to get it into? Your communication. Silent treatment. Have you ever done that? Walking through the house, looking at each other, won't speak. I'm not going to give in. (laughs) I'm not going to be the first person to speak. Your bathroom too small. So you got to touch each other, but you rub, walk like this. So you don't have to touch each other too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 But, But how many people have done that? try to cut off communication as a means of punishment to the other person. And the longer you go without communication, the longer you go without actually fixing the problem. And the sad part is you do it so long, you forgot what you were not communicating about in the first place. And had you communicated and got on the same page, you might have realized that you are both arguing for no reason at all. You're saying the same thing a different way. You ever had one of those instances where you seem to be butting heads and the more you talk, you realize, oh, we're saying the same thing but you've been arguing too long. So you can't say you got to save face. So you just pretend like you want to keep this argument going. I can't lose. And you're losing the purpose of us. If we're going to be unified as a church at large, we're going to be unified as families. We have to learn to communicate. That's why when these languages are confused, you notice something that when God got ready to spread his church all over and, and thank you, Holy Spirit, when they got ready, God told them, go out to the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. They disobeyed. And so what God did was he confused the languages so they had no point but to go. But when God wanted unity, he said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we see in the book of Acts, the Bible says that each man heard them in their own what? Language. God miraculously brought it back together. Miraculously brought together unity of thought and purpose, and those people turned the world upside down. Communication is important. Yeah. Not before they were scattered. And he said, hey, stay here to you and do with power from high. And some of them try to stay there, too. And so he, he created a little a nice little persecution and he allowed allowed things to happen. It, it's not that he wanted to martyr his people, but sin and things that martyred them and that persecution caused the people of God to what? Yeah, that's it, that's it. To move. All persecution is not bad persecution. All bad things are not necessarily bad things. I do not look at this pandemic as a bad thing. What I look at this pandemic is is an opportunity for the church for us to reevaluate ourselves and to see what's really important to us and to see if we really want to be a part of God's church and to see if we really want to be serious about serving him. And to see if we're really not concerned about how many people show up on Sunday morning. Or are we just saying that, but we really are here for a social club and when we don't see a thousand people, we get depressed. How many times have you said we had a good service just because it was a bunch of people in the building? Anybody ever done that? A lot of people do that. They quantify how good their service is by how many people. They have in the seats. They have people in the building that don't have church in their hearts. Now, we want those people in the building because we want them to eventually get church in their hearts. But it's time for us as church to reevaluate what's really what? Important. This is important. Us learning the word of God. I'm not going to. I've run out of time. I've got about five more minutes before the top of the hour. And I wanted to go to the account of Shem. But we're going to start there because we're going to be talking about um, Noah next week. Uh, not Noah, Abraham. Uh, so we're actually going to stop right there. But I want want to ask you guys a couple of questions. I know you got got these and you're like, well, why don't you give these to us? Because you're supposed to go home and you're supposed to do these too and do some at-home work as well, even if we don't do it during class. But up to this point, what has kept the people together? Everybody spoke one what? They spoke one language, so communication was key. Now, when they began to build the city and the tower, what reason did they give? They wanted something to glorify themselves. What in culture can we see? Do we see that in culture? What do we see that in culture today? Celebrities? Politicians? Let's go a little deeper, though. Let's go on a personal level. Hand me that phone, Lamar. Is this narcissistic? I had this for lunch. I'm so important. The whole world want to know what I'm eating. So I'm going to take a picture of this and show everybody what I'm doing. Hey, we're going on a vacation. We argued all the way up here, but we're here now. So we need to pretend to everybody else that we're having a good time. So smile. We make everything. Why do we draw to social media? Because it gives us a way to express ourselves about what? Ourselves. It's amazing how many narcissistic posts get reshared, but Christian posts don't. Have you ever noticed that? That the stuff with a million views... It's stuff that really probably doesn't need to be shared and it's generally somebody showing off their body or showing off a skill or ability to do something that's not really, really godly. But you have pastors all over the world that are serving faithfully and bringing the gospel and we look at it and we won't even like it. And they're discouraged. We look at it and we won't even share it. Sometimes I look at my friends' posts or pastors. I like their stuff. I share their stuff to let them know, hey, stay on the wall. This is important. What you're doing is important. You're making a difference. I don't care if you got five people in your church. What you're doing makes a difference to somebody. And as long as God call you to those five people, as long as you're faithful to those five, he said, be thou faithful until death. And I'll give you a what? Crown of life. So it's important for us to see that. Let's keep going because I'm, I'm running out of time here. Suggest why this evoked God's response. Why did God respond like this? How do you think God viewed their open disobedience? I feel like in I feel like in, in God's eyes they were bypassing the rules and regulations of which he put forth for them to be able to reach that. Oh wow. Home run. For those who couldn't hear that, she said she felt like maybe God looked at something. Uh, at, at what they were doing is for them to find a reason to bypass the rules for them to reach heaven. I got to go into this. You open the can, can of worms. Jesus said, your will be done on earth as it what is in heaven. In Revelations, we see a new heaven and a new earth coming down to the earth. He is bringing heaven to what? Earth. At the beginning, he looked at a formless void and he put a garden in the center where man communed with God. Didn't it? It's called Eden. So Adam is like a priest king, and Eve, uh, and Eve is somewhat like a priestess. He had a connection with them, he walked with them in the cool of the day. He was literally bringing heaven to what? Earth. But they sinned and disconnected with God. And rather than try to do what Noah did and build an altar and worship God on his terms, they said, I'm going to worship you on mine. I'm going to build a tower to reach heaven and make a God of myself. Hadn't that ever been said? I will set my throne on the mount of God above that of the almighty. Didn't Satan say that? Because it's all about me. How many times have we ever made worship in church all about us? And I like what she said. They figured they would serve God on their terms. Yeah, come on. Well said, isn't it? That was the Holy Spirit that gave that to her. Because somebody needs to hear, God's not gonna serve and work on your terms. He don't care what your choice of music is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on God's terms. And what we have done is we serve when things work to our terms, even in our giving. Sometimes people don't give unless it's something that something they want and they'll give to. They don't give systematically and consistently like God would have them do. They give their specific money to their specific cause. That's a way of saying I'm controlling what happens. I give on my terms. They show up, if you teaching what they like or singing the songs that they like, what they're saying is, I'll serve you on my terms. We need a reset, don't we? Of the body of Christ at large, that God is in what? Charge. And we serve God on his terms. Wow, Elizabeth. I don't even want to say anything else after that. <laughs> That's why I like this setting where we're able to talk and I'm able to see you guys and you're able to connect because we've all done that, haven't we? That's why I handed out that book about I am a church member that some people have read. If you read it, read it again. Because we're not here to serve God on our terms. They could. That some, they want to be charitable and they make contributions. Um, some people make contributions to charitable organizations or to churches to try to control what's going on in those places. That doesn't happen here. Thank thank goodness. But Yeah. It wasn't. That's it. He tried to convince them that it was on for his good and so they're getting this directly from the father and the author because the bible says he was beautiful he had beautiful pipes bejeweled skin he had it as best as he could get but the problem was he wasn't happy with his position in heaven he wanted to be in heaven on his terms i'll set my throne above that of the almighty god doesn't work on your terms I know that sounds hard and harsh in our in our senses of society today, but I pray for the body of Christ, those that are really sold out to Christ and say, God, I'll go when you want. When I grew up, I grew up in the Baptist church and uh, I, I never forget that every time somebody would get saved or come up to the front, they would ask them something. They would say, do you promise to abide by and be governed by the rules and the regulations of this church? And then they said something. That was always amazing. They said, to go where you're sent and to come when you're called. Everybody say that go when you're sent and to come when you're called. Those are people who are really sold out to Christ that say, Lord, I'm available to you. Yes. You'll know when, you're, when you have a church full of people available to the Lord. Because the pastor doesn't have to call people to ask them to do stuff. He has to say, okay, that's enough. You, you've done enough. And I'm pretty sure y'all haven't heard me say that. So there's some things <laughs> that we could say in our lives. Lord, I'm what? Available to you. God has a purpose and a plan for each of you. But it's not to make you great. It's to make his name be known throughout the earth. What is it? Chrissy, why are you still alive? Why has he saved you? Why has he spared you? What are you called to do? Life, what has he called you to do? Lamar, what has he called you to do? People in the audience, all the stuff we know we did that we shouldn't be here, but we're still here. He's preserved us when we shouldn't be preserved we're still on the earth when people that were our predecessors still are not why does he still have us here because he's you know what I'm going to get up and let you come on up here you on fire tonight (laughs) that's it because he's not done with us yet sister Benice he's not done with you yet sister Stella Sister Fran, he's not done with you yet. Virginia, even when she's not on the stage, she's sitting over there and she's singing, giving her beautiful voice to God. Why? Because he's not done with you yet. That's it. Somebody needs to hear that today if they're still filming. God's not done with you yet. What is he calling you to do? What is he calling you to do? Are you ready to submit to him? And to go where you're sent. And to come when you're called. Let us pray. God, I pray for a heart posture that is submitted to you today. God, I pray that we at large as the body of Christ, individually, we will search our hearts, search our motivations. See why we're doing what we're doing. And that our heart posture should be to be submitted completely and totally to you. To do whatever you ask us to do. Not our will, but your will be done. Lord God, I pray that you give us the strength and the courage to do those things that are not popular. But you've called us to do them in just the same. I pray for your anointing. I pray for your grace to be on each and every person who hears this by podcast or hears this by live stream or whatever the case may be. That they're called to do the work of the Lord. And I pray that your grace and presence will cover them. In the name of Jesus. I do pray. Amen. If somebody's still watching and you're not saved.